This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast special edition because the draft lottery just happened, and we're going to be doing a draft lottery only mock draft. I'm Sean Anderson, the Most Valuable Podcast. Alongside me is Ricky Weber. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. What's up, everybody? As always, we're here. We're going to go through 1 through 14, talking about the lottery and picking 1 through 14. Like we said, why waste any time? Let's get into it. Boston won the lottery, had the highest odds at 25%. Ricky, looking at all of this, we know last time we did a mock draft, you got a lot of hate in the comments for having Lonzo Ball number one. I currently see the spreadsheet that we have, and also you can check out the spreadsheet down in this description. People can see it. Explain your pick. Well, the first thing I want to talk about is really there are two choices that the Celtics could make. Markel Fultz or Josh Jackson. And to me, it comes down to what are you going to do with IT? It's the future of IT that mm-hmm. determines this pick because is he the future? Can you win a title with IT? Is he going to leave? IT could just say, fuck it. I'm going to leave. I'm out of town. Sayonara. See you later. If you think he's going to leave... You go Markel Fultz. If not, and you're like, I'm going to resign him, you can go ahead and go with Justin Jackson. The reason Josh, why Josh. Josh Jackson. The reason I'm going to go with Josh Jackson and not Justin Jackson, that would be a huge reach. But Josh Jackson is because I think IT, although I am on the side of no, he will never win a title with the Celtics, I think you got to go ahead and Boston's going to say, you know what, we got to pay up to get him the money and go with. Josh Jackson, and then they could run like Josh Jackson at the two and Jalen Brown at the three. It, Josh Jackson doesn't have to play at the three, but he gives you that versatility. You're thinking you're going to play Josh Jackson at the two? You could. He uh, could play you? at the two. He could play at the three. I mean, that's interesting having a six eight forward. I mean, play the, and two. Well, the thing that was most interesting is I looked at Dave sent it all to us. The Ringer had a great mm-hmm. guide. Two of their best case scenarios: Tracy McGrady. And Andre Iguodala. Both guys, small forwards, but also listed as shooting guards as well. So I look at that and I go, you know what? If Boston worked with them and they believe in Jalen Brown to be the three, I would go ahead and take Jackson and say, I'll have Jackson at the two, IT at the one, and Jalen Brown at the three for the future. I do think it's funny how you said there's two options for the Celtics, and one of them wasn't Lonzo Ball, who you had last time. <laughs> no. Um, but, Dave, who's your who's your pick going to the Boston Celtics? Uh, I went with the far and away obvious one of Mark Fultz. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that right now he is the most NBA-ready uh, freshman coming into this draft. And, I mean, he gives you amazing scoring. I think, like, rookie year, the, the problem is, rookie year on a good team, He'll be a solid bench contributor. Probably won't put up amazing numbers, but you're talking I about think, Fultz? yes, okay. Mark Fultz, yeah. But I think if he goes to a bad team per se, you know, he he could totally drop like seventeen in his first year, and I wouldn't be surprised. And so I'm putting him there right now, but it's like almost an asterisk because I feel like this year there could be some trades up, and I think that there might be value there because Boston has that like. Look, we're already in the conference finals right now. Mm-hmm. If we move the number one pick this year, the Nets pick next year, maybe we could get ourselves a, a nice veteran who would help push us over the top to uh, 
you know, maybe give a shot for a title in this window they've got themselves in. I mentioned this before, and I don't think Jimmy Butler's worth the number one overall pick. Paul George is definitely not worth the number one overall pick with his current contract situation. I'm going Markel Fultz because he has the most star potential right now. Isaiah Thomas, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. his contract's coming up, so you have an heir apparent to Markel Fultz, and we're talking about that draft pick, or you mm-hmm. just mentioned that draft pick. Uh, that they have next year from the Nets, and we know how the Nets are just terrible. Um, you know, you look at that, and they're building for the future, and, and this is building past LeBron. This is building past LeBron's window. So having a guy like Jalen Brown, who I think they do believe is the cornerstone at that small forward position, that I do think they're going to go off of, a guy that you know is, is similar in ways to uh, Josh Jackson, not exactly carbon copy, but both ath- athletic players, both like driving baseline, both are, are, are very explosive. Um, and then you look at Markel Fultz, he can take over for Isaiah Thomas. You know, I, I, Avery Bradley did that too. I think that's a solid fit right there. He can stay around there. And then also you just look at next year where that can end up. You can get a guy uh, who can be very explosive. I mean, Michael Porter, I know he's a small forward, but he's bigger, might be able to play, play the power forward, or you might be able to move him over. I think there's a lot intangibles there, uh, and they're building for the future, so I think they're going to go with Markel Fultz. I don't think they're going to trade it. The, the problem with building for the future is you're in the Eastern Conference Finals today. Mm-hmm. So you're going to say that we know Al Horford's window and IT's window probably got, you know, three years. When do we usually see production out of rookies? By their fourth year. Like, that's when we see, like, this is what uh-huh. this guy is really made of. So there's my concern is, like, they either push for it with right now a core that's gotten them to the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. Finals, or it, it's tough to walk away from that and be like, you know what? I know we're having success now, but you guys have to have patience and know that over here, you know, four years down the row, we're building for that team. Yeah, well, we know that, you know, Isaiah Thomas obviously is going to be here for one more year for sure in Boston. Uh, and you just hope that Markel Fultz, if he's going number one, that next year that he can take over for Isaiah Thomas because we know he's the best player on the Boston Celtics right now. We know that he can, he's that leader right now. So yes. Markel Fultz is going to have a lot of weight on his shoulders if Isaiah Thomas leaves. But then you also look, Jay Crowder's locked up. Avery Bradley's locked up. Uh, El Horford, they just locked up. Well, so, I mean, those players will still yeah, be there and, and still be around to help Markel yep. Fultz and Jalen Brown develop. And the thing that, to me, is the most interesting about this and why I think that Fultz and Jackson are the only two that Ooh. are going to be thought about with the number one pick mm-hmm. is it's not just IT with Avery Bradley, someone that you mentioned, him and Isaiah Thomas are up the same year. So if you're going to keep IT, it's one of those things where are you going to pay him what he deserves, which would be a max contract? Will you have the money to pay up for an Avery Bradley or be able to keep him around? Because another thing that's going to impact this pick, mm-hmm. if they get Gore, I'm going to say it right now, although I have Jackson at number one in this, if they get Hayward, they're going faults. If they get Gordon Hayward in free agency, it'd be ridiculous to go with Josh Jackson. That yeah, I mean, then you have Gordon Hayward, mm-hmm. Josh Jackson, Jalen Brown. That's just not going to so work. So it depends on where um, the gamble is. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think more more likely Avery Bradley is is you know uh, is going to stay in Boston just because you look at Isaiah Thomas with his age, um, with his you know with his size. You know, it, you know, I'm not trying to take away from what Isaiah Thomas has done mm-hmm. in his NBA career and what he has done in Boston because he's been absolutely phenomenal. I just don't think he can win a title in Boston. I don't know if I want to give him a max contract too for five years with his age being mm-hmm. 29 years old, going to be 30. Uh, next year. I don't know if I want to give a five-year max contract to a guy like that where you have Markel Fultz. He can be coming down the line and then Avery Bradley's younger, uh, fits really nicely in today's NBA. I feel like I would be more uh, you know, complacent or I, I would be more, I feel like it'd be safer giving Avery yeah, Bradley money like that. Money. So uh, let's move on now to number two, Los Angeles. I think this one's clear because we all have the same pick. It's a um, no-brainer. Dave and Ricky, who you got? Yeah, I mean, it's Lonzo Ball. And I think it was like as soon as 
that they made that top three, I was like, oh, yeah, Lakers are taking Lonzo Ball. Like, mm-hmm. There's no question about it. Magic Johnson already has kind of spoken about his thoughts on rookies this year. Especially Lonzo, saying his dad's not that big of a factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of kind of brushing that aside, which is interesting because that was, honestly, the biggest knock against Lonzo was Lamar. So mm-hmm. seeing that come out and cleared out, and then you know, Lonzo's already talked about how he really wants to go to the Lakers more than any other team, even possibly denying uh, workouts with other teams as well. Yeah, LeVar saying pretty much that on yep. uh, Skip and uh, Shannon Undisputed. Sharp's. Yeah, Shannon Sharp show today. Uh, Ricky, is Lonzo ball the pick? It's exactly well, what I'm going to quote LeVar. The Lakers going to get that ball, and then they're going to get that ball. That's exactly what's going to happen. Lonzo ball mm. to the Lakers. And the way I'm kind of comparing this is it would be like if the Bulls in 2008 went, nah, that kid out of Chicago, we'll take Mike Beasley. No, you're not going to take Mike Beasley. You're going to go with the kid from L.A. and go with Lonzo Ball. Mike Beasley? Like Mike Jordan? That's so. I've never heard anyone call him Mike Beasley. Mike Beasley. Michael. Yeah, but I'm more more (laughs) Beasley or or Michael Beasley. I'm more of an informal guy, me and Mike, hanging out. Okay, Uh no one ever says Mike Jordan. (laughs) No, Mike Michael. Mike Jackson. (laughs) Anyways, uh, I think think, uh, even Laker fans know we're not going to talk about this too much because we've talked about Lonzo Ball fit before. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I mean, you know, obviously, even outside the hometown thing you look at you know he's he's the second best player in my mind at least um, in this draft you also look at how he fits on this team D'Angelo Russell is a combo guard he can play that two position Brandon Ingram showed flashes of being able to be a scorer he's still young 19 years old developing into that body if he can become that scorer D'Angelo Russell has that scoring ability Lonzo Ball's facilitating his ability to be a leader on the floor is exactly what this team needs and it's yes. a perfect fit for like Luke Walton's system you mm-hmm. know he he came from that warrior system of spacing and excellent passing Guess what you get with Lonzo? And transition. And transition game. And you get all three of those things with Lonzo Ball. He's not afraid to shoot the three. He he makes his teammates around him better for it. So I think that what we would see with the Lakers pickup of him, I kind of expect everybody else on this team to kind of step it up like half a notch. Mm-hmm. Like I expect, you know, maybe not to hate their players as much. And maybe they won't underperform as much and, as here. And I think one thing, too, that might play a factor into it is because LeVar Ball does talk, and we know it, he, he, he will talk. He might oh, yeah. be making statements saying Lonzo Ball's the best player on the Lakers, and it might cause, you know, hopefully it causes a, a nice riff where D'Angelo Russell's like, fuck that, this kid's not better than me, and then, <laughs> you know, tries to outperform him in, in, a, in a good way that's beneficial to the mm-hmm. team and not yeah. something that where he's you know, just trying I mean, to prove it's not like wrong. Lonzo, you know, let his own team in score, and that's yeah. the thing to remember is he's, he's a very unselfish player, and his dad will do the talking for him off the court, but when he's out there, I mean, he's going to be making sure that everybody around him is involved and, you know, that he's doing everything he can to help his team win. And the biggest knock on Lonzo is the scoring because, I yep. mean, you look at that wonky shot. I mean, he's not going to... He, he I was going to say, can, is it his scoring or is it the actual well, shot? He's, he's, the actual he's, shot. he's a guy that's not going to be able to create his own shot. He's mm-hmm. not going to be a guy that's going to be able to blow by um, defenders because you look at De'Aaron Fox, he was able to shut him down <sighs> in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, he will struggle to create his shots early on, but it's more of that ability to create... Uh, you know, you know, driving in and then dishing off because he's got great court vision. He's got a, a great passing ability. The as well. one thing I will say about that though is I watched uh, the sports science that they just did mm-hmm. with him about a shot, mm-hmm. and I didn't even know before this, which apparently right before he goes to shoot, he does something with his right hand where he rotates it, and although he has like a weird angle, that rotation puts it on to what you need, almost ideal for like the RPMs. They said, guess how quick. He's getting the ball out of his hands. Hmm. Ten, or 0.10, I want to say, quicker than Clay Thompson. I don't so know. The problem is it's where the shot starts from, which is yeah, about here. It's on mm-hmm. its left side, yeah. and then it goes all the way up. It, it starts so low that I feel mm-hmm. like any guards with length will be able to contest that shot and possibly alter it. So 
I, that's one of the most interesting things I want to see is how he fits into the NBA game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think he's going to still thrive because of his playmaking ability. Mm-hmm. It's going to be to see yeah. how much can he actually score and how much can he translate that shooting uh, mm-hmm. that he did have at UCLA over to the NBA. Now we're going to go to the pick that was the toughest for me to make early in the top three, and that's Philadelphia. You know, getting the pick from Sacramento uh, with this, the 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 trade or the the, the swap rights. What yeah, swap yeah. rights? Um, so Philadelphia has the third overall pick. Joel Embiid was shocked by it. Um, and it's, <laughs> Didn't it's, quite get it for a minute. Yeah. It's the, the the toughest one for me to pick. And I'm going to talk about it first, just because the biggest fit for them, the, the the pick that you can plug and play right now, is clearly Malik Monk. Malik Monk is the best shooter. This team needs some shooting. I mean, Joel Embiid's a fantastic scorer. We saw what he was able to do, putting up over 21 points uh, in his 31 games. He was a leader. He was able to you know stretch it from the outside. He was able to down uh, dominate down low, both offensively and defensively. You look at Ben Simmons. He's the guy that can create and makes most of his money driving to the basket. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, getting a shooter like Malik Monk that Ben Simmons can find, uh, that Joel Embiid can can find as well, a guy that's just going to be a fantastic scorer. Malik Monk works with this roster right now. But I'm going with Josh Jackson, mainly for the reason that he does have the highest star potential out of all of these players. And there's one thing that also kind of plays into factor in this is that you know, your two best players in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid played a combined 31 games. And, you know, if Ben Simmons, you know, takes a route of a, a Sam Bowie where he just isn't able to get on the court at all, uh, Joel Embiid takes the route of a Greg Oden where he can't play at all. Could I'm happen. just saying, if, 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 if it, it happens. Happen. No, no, I'm shaking my head. Like, don't you put that bat on me. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to put anything on it. I'm just trying to say it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, they played 31 I, games combined on two players. I understand. Um, Josh Jackson can be a guy that can take over and be your star of the team. And, and I think one thing, too, is, you know, playing with that length of having Joel Embiid at the center, uh, Ben Simmons uh, being the power forward defensively, and then Josh Jackson being the small forward defensively, and then just having Ben go to the point guard on offense mm-hmm. and then getting guards that can shoot around them, I think that's going to be the most interesting because Josh Jackson, yes, he does struggle shooting, and, and you know you can see that from his free, th- free throw percentage. You know, people might see That's kind of weird, yeah, yeah. because his, his three-point shot isn't actually that bad, and his actual shooting percentage, not bad, but when you look at that free throw line, which is you know the biggest indicator of your mechanics and how sound of a shooter you are, Surprisingly low. He's really good uh, in rhythm. He's really good stepping into a shot, and that, that's why you know he has that higher three point percentage. Mm-hmm. So, but when he's trying to just pull up, it's wanky. It's it's completely just off when when he when he pulls up from three. So. I, I think the, the shooting is, is the biggest worry out of Josh Jackson, but his explosiveness, his defensive ability, uh, his passing as well, I think that's going to be something that, that the Sixers are going to look at. I think it's going to be too hard for them to pass up a three. No, mine, this was the easiest pick for me, and that's because you guys both had him go number one, so I know he wasn't on your board, but this was easy. Markel Fultz, if he is sitting there at number three, I know it's one of those things where maybe a Malik Monk or even a Jason Tatum might be a little bit more like, oh, we could use that. We don't need someone to run our offense. We got Ben Simmons. But if Fultz is there, you take him. He can play point guard. He can play defense. And maybe because Ben Simmons ain't going to play every single minute of every game, maybe when Ben Simmons is not out there and the seconds are out there, maybe Markel Fultz becomes that leader of the second unit. Yeah, if Markel Fultz is on the board for Philadelphia, I don't think there's there's any thought of yeah. Jason Tatum yep. or T.R. Fox. Yes. You just, I think, you just I think you're good Fultz. there. Yeah, without a doubt. Yep. Dave, who you got going uh, to the... I do have Josh Jackson as well, and it was one of those conflicted picks because you're right. Their, their need is clearly at point guard and shooting guard. They need to stretch out the floor better. Um and it comes down to the question of like, how are the Clangos going to run this team for the future? Mm-hmm. They have a chance. Can they take best fit, or do they take best player available? Because best fit, you're right, would be either would be probably Malik Monk, but 
there's been a lot of concern over time about, well, he's a streaky shooter, he's a short shooter, and how much impact is he going to have? How much he's do we want to spend? Guard too. Yeah, how much do we want to spend on someone who is, you know, upside of like a JJ Redick or a Jamal Crawford versus we could get someone who Josh Jackson could translate into a like two way like all pro player kind of a thing, and it's just. It's that consideration of, like, I don't know which way they're leaning yet, and I think because of the injury concerns, they're going to go for the whole shot. You've They're, they're going to take that risk on, let's go for best player available for one more time. Next year, they have uh, the they have the Lakers pick, I think. Yep. And then mm-hmm. the year following, they have Sacramento's pick, both unprotected. So it's not like they're going to be on a shortage for picks. I think that this and combination with the amount of money they have in free agency to spend – will kind of set up their team for the future. And between the three players you had mentioned, between Ben Simmons, Embiid, and Josh Jackson, they will have their answer as far as who is going to be that future of the team. Well, and then also, I think Ben Simmons will be the the, the focal point, even if they dra- draft Josh Jackson. But yes, the thing is, I, I think that... Injury concerns. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, you know, say injuries don't play a factor into it, then you can also go out and, with that cap that you have, you know, get a shooter like J.J. Redick. He's going to be a free agent. Kyle Lowry, we talked about it last week, yep. that, you know, he's a Philly kid, might fit well into that system. He's a guy that shot 40%, had the best three-point percentage uh, of his Continue career. Continue to near, get better as he ages. Yeah, or, or near his best three-point percentage yep. uh, as he as he aged. So, I mean, it's something where you look at it and, and it's just something he has the higher ceiling than Monk. I just see that athleticism. It's it's too hard to pass up because I mean, he's raw and he's looking like the third best, you know, second best player in this draft or third best player in this draft. I mean, the whole package of Josh Jackson is interesting. And, you know, this Philadelphia team, they need shooting, mm-hmm. but this is something that, you know, you don't know how Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and their draft pick will play together. I mean, Malik Monk <laughs> might step in and just might not be the right fit. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it, it's something where they need shooting right now, but then again, this is a team of the future and not yeah. a team of right now. So they just need to make the playoffs first. So you know, once they get to the conference finals, then you can think about adding <laughs> shooting, adding you know uh, whatever you need on this team. I think getting a best player available in Josh Jackson is the smartest. Well, pick. and just to clarify things up, they have the Laker pick next year, and then 2019 they have the King pick. Yeah, so, so the year 2019 after. it'll be that's that King. The year after. Okay, the 2017 draft. I thought the date said they were draft. both in the 2018 no. season. Wanted to clarify nope anyways <laughs> let's move on now to the phoenix suns and the next pick and again resounding just like the number two overall pick uh where we all had lonzo ball ricky who do you have the phoenix suns taking well i'll go by saying this who did i have the suns taking last time josh jackson well he's off the board you go same position next best player jason tatum mm-hmm. and that's just what they need they need same a position, small but it's a different game you it's know? a different game but you know what i look at the depth chart and i go T.J. Warren, not really confident in you. I'll take Jason Tatum and plug him in there at the three. See, the thing with T.J. Warren, I like T.J. Warren a lot. Yeah, it's just one, It's one thing where I see but his, his, ta- ceiling as, his ceiling as as a six-man. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's something where he, he's more of a six-man. They can go with and, and get a guy like Jaron Fox. I think that's probably the next best, best pick. But I think there's, yeah. you know, like you mentioned, they need a, a, a small forward for the future, mm-hmm. and he is the best small forward available. Yeah, well, and that's it. And, like, the point guard, like, that's the pick with me. I'm almost like... Jason Tatum, I'm going to pick, but then I'm like, do I want to put De'Aaron Fox there? No, they've got Bledsoe, they've got Knight, they've even got Euless. They're not going to go at Monks. Of course, they got Devin Booker. And I just looked at him I'm like, I can't have them pass up Jason Tatum. Yeah, and that's—I I see the, the idea from the Suns, though, of 
our window is with these young kids, and I'm looking at an older uh, point guard, Eric Bledsoe, who, mm-hmm. while we do have him under contract for a couple more years, 27 same years with old. Knight, yeah. I mean, they they don't line up. So and They're trying we, to shop Knight, too. Yeah, and that's the thing is they're, they're possibly shopping both if they go with a point guard here. Um, I still think you let uh, Brandon Knight, for the amount of time he's on the court, awesome. Use him for everything he's got, because I know he's not going to be there for 82 games. So mm-hmm. the Popovich mono uh, kind of strategy. No, 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 screw it. I- I'm letting him go out there and ruin himself for me. Like I- I'm happy with Tyler Ulis as a backup point guard. I mm-hmm. think he certainly is a future pa- like full-time backup point guard. Knight's gone somewhere in the meantime, but mm-hmm. um, the-, the whole point is like, well, I want you to go point guard here. I just don't think it's worth it to pass up on someone like Jason Tatum, who is one of the best ISO ball players in this entire draft. I think he is, like, barring on the best yeah. ISO ball player. Um, he can create his own shot, and he actually has pretty good handles uh, while working the ball inside, and he keeps his eyes open looking out. He's not one of those guys who is like, he's not ISO Joe. He's not going to go and ignore four other guys on the court and just take the ball himself. He is always, he's still looking for uh, if there's a better out better option available i'm gonna make the pass out you know mm-hmm. well the one thing he does, he's not as uh you know as nice of a playmaker as josh jackson is and that's the reason why Correct. josh jackson is is uh rated above him also not as good of a passer as josh jackson but you mm-hmm. talk about him and iso he's something where you watch jason tatum and he's not something as explosive as jackson but there's something to his game where it's very smooth oh, and it, it's very yep. silky and something where you know pairing that with a guy uh who's very raw and very explosive and a marquise chris uh devin booker can be very explosive as well i think Pairing that can you know slow down the game, slow down the tempo, uh, which might work well. You know, pushing it in transition because he's still a great transition player, mm-hmm. Jason Tatum. I, but then you know, pairing that in tra- transition where you can slow the game down. Uh, you know, if you need to waste time, just give it to Tatum, run down the sh- sh- shot clock. I think that works. Uh, well with this Phoenix Sun team because you look at that and then you have Bledsoe at least going into the season. Bledsoe, uh, Booker, uh, Tatum. Chris and uh, Bender, hopefully, and and maybe flip Bender and Chris and play Chris at the center. But I think that is a, a future lineup that could win playoff games. And the could the be only problem is a, a, you're not helping yourself out defensively for an already terrible yeah. defensive team. Jason Tatum's the the one knock on him. You know, it's a it's a fairly glaring weakness is defensively he's not as quick as you'd like him to be. He doesn't have the wingspan in order to guard elite at an elite level like Josh Jackson does. So while you're gaining an offensive weapon. I mean, he's not going to be awful. He's not, like, historically levels bad, but mm-hmm. that that's the only problem with this pick I feel a little uneasy about because I feel like the Suns, they've been trying to get better, and offensively, they're already pretty good. Mm-hmm. Defensively, though, Then they, do you go they, with a Jonathan well, Isaac? Well, I, no, I was going to say more De'Aaron Fox because yeah, De'Aaron that's... Fox is, is a great uh, defender mm-hmm. at that point guard position. Yep. If we're talking about point guard, I would say the two, at least, options there for the Suns are, are Josh Jackson, well, like, like we have. I was uh, even, Jason Tatum, sorry. The reason Jason, why Jay I threw Tatum. out Isaac was similar position. Could play the three just like Tatum. Right. But, and he's more the defensive one where Tatum's more offense. Yeah, it, it, I guess it depends a lot on the timeline of the team, though. And if they're comfortable with letting Bledsoe stay out throughout you know mm-hmm. the rest of his contract, then I might be inclined to go that route. But uh, I just a defensive point guard would be awesome, and especially one with the speed and toughness of uh, De'Aaron Fox. And if he could find that mid-range shot, be so money. And now we're going to move on to De'Aaron Fox because the next pick is Sacramento. They flipped it Perfect. with the 76ers. 
Uh, De'Aaron Fox is my pick for Sacramento, picking at number five. I have De'Aaron Fox going to Sacramento, and we all have De'Aaron Fox going to Sacramento, just like it's Jason Tatum. It's almost like a point guard. It's like they <laughs> almost need a point guard, and it's it's a perfect fit for them as well mm-hmm. because you look at De'Aaron Fox, the biggest thing with him is his speed, his ability to create plays, and you look at that, pairing that with a guy like Buddy Heald, who's a deadly shooter, uh, shooting 43% when he came over to the Sacramento Kings, um, pairing that with the young core that they have of Willie Cauley-Stein, uh, Papianis, that's why I'm wearing the hat, um, <laughs> We also mentioned uh, uh, Scalabissier, uh, um, Malachi Richardson. You know, I'm, I'm blanking on all the young talent. And they they're going to bring over. Malachi was even injured up. for most of the show. Yeah, but, yeah. but you know, mm-hmm. you, you bring that in yeah. with Darren Fox, who can attack the bucket. He's very fast. We talked about his defensive prowess, uh, his ability to make plays. I think it's the resounding pick mm-hmm. for the Sacramento well, Kings. And it's exactly what you said. Like he's going to be, he'd be the almost perfect addition, I would say, to Buddy Heald in mm-hmm. that backcourt. The thing I like about Fo- or about Fox is that he can not only defend, but at the point guard position can score and also change the pace of the game. Control the tempo at that point guard position, which is crucial to me when you're going to be, unless it's a situation like with Philly where Ben Simmons will be running the point and not the actual point guard. But the thing that if the one thing that Fox will need to do if he goes to the Kings if he can just develop a finish at the rim and the ability to maybe give the ball up more willingly, because that's one thing that he hasn't been able to do is be more willing to give the ball up at times when he needs to, he can be the perfect drive and finish or even the drive and kick to Buddy Heal. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think, you know, you look at Fox and just his his talent and his rawness, mm-hmm. and if he can, you know, sure up his game, like you said, if, if he can add that shot, um, yes. Where if he's wide open, he can hit a shot, mm-hmm. which he can't right now. Um, <laughs> if he if he's able to do that and sure up his his ability to shoot, then for sure. And then also, you know, he he was. I think it was more of something where we talked about Malik Monk's in, inconsistency. I think it's something where Darren Fox. It might have been shown uh, while he was you know hesitant to give the ball up because he was like, well, Malik can't hit the side of a barn today, mm-hmm. so yeah. I have to take over and I have to dominate the game. And I think that's why we saw a little bit more of that come out in him. I don't know if that's going to happen if you know Buddy and his teammates are on. Well, that's honestly that's kind of like a plus is that you know he has that familiarity with stylistically streaky shooters. So mm-hmm. I think that like it is. This is honestly like a super comfortable pick for the Sacramento Kings. And, you know, we talked about, you know, maybe if they need anything else, they have that second pick later on so they can take best fit there. But like biggest glaring need has been point guard. And I think we watched last season, you know, with the emergence of Buddy out there, like if you feed him the ball, I have confidence in him. If you are happy down low with scale, then, yeah, point guard far and away. I understand that you're uh, that Rudy Gay free agent. But possibly having a Bogdan, ah, Bogdan coming over, uh, he obviously can step coming in. And as, long as, yeah. as long as he is pretty much guaranteed minutes, that's his big concern. I think he's going to sign this year with them and come over. So that's like you're switching him over for Rudy Gay. Obviously, going to be a, a notch down, but still. You're you're comfortable across the board. Well, and it's something too where we'll get later back to the the tenth pick that the the Sacramento Kings have. But there are if if they don't feel comfortable with Bogdan, uh, who came over from the Suns, I believe, in that in that trade for Marquise Chris and, mm-hmm. and Dragon yep. Bender to move up. Um, looking at that uh, for Sacramento, I mean, the, you still have OG, you still have players that can fit that small fa- yep. uh, forward position. We'll mm-hmm. get to that a little bit later. Um, but De'Aaron Fox, I think I think it's the smart pick. Um, they're going to definitely go point guard. Um, if they do have to go point guard, you know, that's not De'Aaron Fox. They they 
they are thinking that. There's obviously Frank and there's Dennis Smith. Which and why one not out have of those, your pick of the litter? Well, we, but I'm saying which one of those two, Dennis Smith or Frank, would you think fits best for the Kings? Uh, for the Kings, I would. That's not may- De'Aaron Fox because obviously we think yeah, De'Aaron Fox. I would is maybe the best lean. Fit. I'd maybe lean towards Dennis Smith because the thing with Frank is I look at him defense and passing. But the thing that I don't really see with him is that same ability to drive and then kick. Mm-hmm. Dennis Smith is that player where kind of similar issues to a De'Aaron Fox needs to kind of polish his finish at the rim because sometimes he's not the most creative when it comes to those finishes and needs to learn when to kick, when to not kick. And he would be the more similar thing to De'Aaron Fox and pair that with Buddy Heald. Oh, wait, you're sitting there for me? Up oh, there's the ball three in. And now we're going to move on to the sixth pick, the Orlando Magic. Hardest and, pick to make. And looking at this. Hardest. You, I don't think this was the hardest pick to make. <laughs> we, did, we did a topic on the Orlando yep. Magic. That they hardest, need a star. Hardest pick for it's, me. It's written in the stars who they need to pick, Dave. Oh. And, and, and you are you are on, on the same page as me. We'll get to you, Ricky. Mm-hmm. We'll build up that tension as it's yeah. the hardest pick. Hardest pick for I think me it was make. very easy for you and I to pick this. Yeah. The hardest ones for me were, were, were Philadelphia at that three. And then I think it was uh, Sacramento, Charlotte. And Detroit and Denver, like those, yeah, those the back after that. Lottery is a little um, rough. Why, why is this pick so clear for the Orlando Magic? Because it's what they suck at the most. He can give you. It's just outright. Malik Monk is a scorer. I'm sorry. Like we we joke around about the ten starters, eleven starters on this mm-hmm. Orlando Magic team. It doesn't matter because not a single one of them is your number one score. No one out there is reliable. And even Malik Monk. Not always most reliable, but you know what? When he shows up, he shows up in heaps. And honestly, you have to just admit Mario Hazonia is a bust and move on. Don't don't let that hang over you. Don't feel like you don't you can't go back to that well again for another um, aggressive shooter just mm-hmm. because you whiffed on it. You know, recently it's let's move forward. Let's get the guy who has like potential scoring star written all over him, someone who can energize this team moving forward and really help stretch out the floor because the, with their uh, interesting lineups, um, I think that they really, really need some help as far as spacing is concerned, and you know he can give them that. Yeah, I mean, you look at the way that uh, Orlando's kind of create, you know, kind of set up right now. You have Alfred Payton, who I'm iffy on, but then if you're pairing him with a guy like Malik Monk, I mean, Payton will get the ball to him, and yeah. Payton will, will will be able to get him open shots and open looks. You look at Evan Fournier; he's not a bad shooter from outside. I mean, his his uh, percentages went down, but he also was playing on a worse team. Um, he was just playing on a team that didn't have that 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 much space, spacing. He's a guy that could hit shots for you. Uh, that's going to open up Vucevic down low. That's going to open up Aaron Gordon to drive to the basket. I think it's just going to open up this team and open up this offense that. Field felt very stagnant when, yeah. when, you were, when you were watching them, I and it really didn't open up until the latter half of the season when Alfred Payton was getting more comfortable. But if you're going to make Payton more comfortable with getting a shooter, getting a scorer that you can rely on, I think that's the easiest pick for them to make because you know we were talking about they need a star, they need a guy that, yeah. to, to take over this team. And I, I look at you know what Malik Monk brings, and yes, he's a smaller guard, he's a smaller, uh, a smaller player. You know, looking at two guards, and he's not a point guard per se. Um, but you look at the whole package; he's not going to be a, a defensive stud there, but offensively. He is the best scorer I think, in, in, the, yeah. in this draft, and 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 maybe maybe him and Fultz are, are up there. But you know, you look at when he is on, it's scary how, mm-hmm. how how good he is. So looking at Malik Monk, it's it's clear to to Dave and I. Why was it so hard for you, Ricky? Well, for me, there were kind of three positions they could go with: mm-hmm. either the shooting guard, like you guys said, the point guard, and the small forward. If they're not and sold on Peyton, yeah. The yep. thing that I looked at was I looked more of the 
point guard shoot small forward mm-hmm. position. I think that the thing where with Fournier, am I the most sold on him? No, but I think the Magic will look and say, you know what, we got him locked down. He's our starter. We don't need to go back to the well, like Dave was saying, for a shooting guard. And with that being said, I looked at it and said, who do I trust more, Alfred Payton or Terrence Ross? And I wrote it right here on my notes. However, Payton greater than Ross. And that's why I had him go with Jonathan Isaac, because one of the big things we talked about when Vogel got the job was how he's going to bring some defense to this Orlando Magic. Mm-hmm. Why not get a small forward who can also play the the two and the four if you need to, although he's primarily a three um, on the court. Three and D player, he's going to bring you that defense and that versatility to play the two even if you need it. The two? He could play. He could play the two or the four. Although you, I mean, he can defend the two. Okay, defend, a three. I, I don't know if you're going to put a six eleven forward at, at the two spot. That's, that's <laughs> very interesting. Uh, but I mean, I, it is the Orlando Magic. It is the Orlando Magic. You're, yeah. you're not wrong there. I mean, but looking at Orlando, I, I think that you know if you're not sold on Terrence Ross, which would be weird, but also not out of you know Orlando because if you know why not? Why trade for a guy and not be sold on him? That makes a lot I of mean, sense for Orlando. Almost, yeah, um, but it's too you, easy. I'm not gonna, sold on him. That's the that, least of it. I mean. <laughs> That was, that was a position that they did have a lot of mm-hmm. trouble finding because they were putting Aaron Gordon there to start uh, the, the season. They, they, they had him start there, and they were like, well, he's not a small forward at all. So, I mean, that is a position that they did struggle to find. I didn't think Terrence Ross was too bad when he did come over to Orlando Magic. Um, I just think that Monk, looking at his ability, I think that it's going to be you know hard to pass up on a guy like that because yeah. Fournier, he's a guy that can come off the bench. I mean, he's a guy that put up 17.9 points per game last uh, last year. Um, his, his percentages were down, but you know at, at his peak, he could definitely be shooting around 40% from three. That's not bad. And, and you know, no, if you that, wanna, that's NBA quality shooting from the outside. The, the concern is, you know, given you're on a terrible team, True. and you and that's the best you can put up. I mean, we watched Michael Carter Williams look like a stud on the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. And if this is the best he can do, I kind of want to see a little more. So that that's where I'm like, but the only thing holding me back here is like I feel like this could just be a straight run on point guards. Like I could see honestly like between Sacramento, Orlando, and Phoenix, like anywhere in there, we could be out of point guards already. Like this easily could be uh, either Dennis Smith or Frank, and wouldn't even blink at it. I think it'd be surprising to see all of them off the board by Dallas. I think that would be very surprising, but yeah. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, like you mentioned, because you know we talked about uh, Philadelphia needing a point guard. Uh, they, they could definitely go with that. Uh, Phoenix needs a point guard. Sacramento Orlando, needs a point if you guard. Don't feel confident Orlando. in Alfred Payton, and again, we saw him. Flourish a little bit at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Whether that's enough to build your confidence and say, all right, we got this guy going forward. He's our dude. We trust him. Let's build around him. Cool. And if you're going to give him shooting, too, where he can oh, yeah. build I mean, up those on. assist numbers, you know, build up spacing and stuff like that, give him more room to run. I mean, yeah, that's I mean just, the, that, the that's spacing gonna... was just atrocious. It was like second level to like the Bulls. Yeah, that's going to help him out. And then let's go to the seventh pick. Minnesota uh, is on the clock now. And this is one of the easiest picks for me because this is something that I've been mocking since I think either number one or 2.0 for the past two months or since we mm-hmm. since I started doing them this year. It's Jonathan Isaac. You mentioned it, Ricky. Uh, the reason why they, the Orlando Magic took him because of his defense, because of Frank Vogel. Uh, you know, being that defensive mastermind. Put him with Tom Thibodeau, though? Oh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Come on. Who, who is the defensive mastermind? It's Tom Thibodeau. Uh, looking at Tibbs, He'll looking at Isaac. dry, too. Yeah, yep. look, looking at Isaac, I mean, his ability to uh, to guard the three and the four, flip back and forth between that. And the and, two. And the two, and the five if he ever, you know, eats uh, <laughs> a cheeseburger, be, yeah. I think. <laughs> I mean, he's 6'11 and well 110. Well said, Sean. He's 6'11 and 110, so, I mean, he's a guy that's going to be pushed around. But, you know, you look at that, it's going to give, uh, you know, defensively, it's going to give boost to Carlton Towns and Wiggins. He doesn't need to be a huge score. 
sure because they already have Levine, Cat, uh, and Wiggins. And if he can develop his outside shot, mm-hmm. be uh, a three-point shooter for them, which right now he isn't a deadly three-point shooter, but his shot is there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he has a very nice-looking shot, and it's something where this team did struggle from beyond the arc. So if Jonathan Isaac can be a 3-and-D player for them at 6-11, he could be a guy that can you know play guard multiple positions. I think that's something that Tibbs, Tibbs is drooling thinking of. Absolutely. And I, I agreed with you on this pick. I also want Jonathan Isaac. And Dave, uh, let's be honest. We agreed on one through seven. <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, like mm-hmm. this one was, e- like you said, it was easy. And, and the, the only question mark there becomes, well, you know, okay, great. So he can kind of fit the three on paper. And then if we ever want to shift things around down low, he kind of buys Cat some rest time on defense because you're not using up all that time. And I defense like Cat plays defense at all. But mm-hmm. this team is a also atrocious at defense like i feel like it's young teams have to learn how to play defense and that's both the timberwolves and the suns are having the same problem where they're having young stars who are explosive offensively mm-hmm. but it's not a balanced game so i think under Thibodeau's tutoring over time they will kind of mold into that and they'll they'll fill out the rest of their game and one thing with cat too i mean he's 21 years old it's not well, like tibbs is never going to be able to well that's to mold my thing yeah it's young teams you know yeah. it's something so if you get someone who comes in already plays mm-hmm. very well defensively, has the body and the wingspan and the build. Is quick for, at what he, uh, and, and is able mm-hmm. to guard the, the variety of players that he is. I think there's the value there. The, the big question is how much more can he improve his offensive game? And so they're, 18 years old. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> but come on, it's easy to say, oh, he'll find a shot. He'll, he'll, he'll become a reliable shooter. Like, it's easy to say, but he's one of the guys who I sort of have a question about. He can get easy buckets, yes, but... Will he ever be that like knockdown three point shooter? I don't think so. I think he's going to cap out at like a thirty six percent three point shooter, and that's just what he is. It's it's going to be interesting to see how he develops. But I mean, looking at that that, mm-hmm. that setup that they would have, it'd be Ricky Rubio for the time being, which I don't know how long that's going to stay for. Yep. Um, you're going to have Zach Levine, who's coming off that ACL injury, then Wiggins at the three, then Isaac at the four, and Cat at the five. I mean, that's a, that's a scary team. I mean, I absolutely. Know NBA r slash NBA uh, on Reddit. Spooky joke is that the the spooky uh, the spooky T wolves are coming out. I think that's a spooky lineup right there. But, Ricky, you differ from Dave and I here. You have a different pick because Isaac just went. Yep. So uh, why is Malik Monk the fit for Minnesota? Well, the one thing I want to say before that is something that Dave touched mm-hmm. on is with defense, we're seeing it right now in the playoffs, especially in the Western Conference Finals. When Kawhi Leonard was out there, defense ruled. And then ever since that, it's been the defense of the Warriors that's kind of been helping them win the, win the series yep. along with their offense. But with me, Malik Monk is... At first, I was like, I want to go point guard. Ricky Rubio's not the future. Chris Dunn is, we I overhyped him iffy. last year. And I'm like, oh, they can go Dennis Smith or Frank. But then I'm like, you know what? Maybe they don't have to replace Ricky Rubio right now. And I kept thinking about, you know, Levine is coming off of the ACL injury um, from reports. that He just started running a week ago. Um, a little under a week ago as we're recording mm-hmm. this on the 17th. And I know that it's like Malik Monk's not a great defender, but I think Thibodeau could make him at least a decent defender not and could work maybe. with him. Um, and we already, you guys already hit on the shooting with the Orlando pick. Adding that 
at the two. And even if Levine then comes back and just becomes a six-man because of the injury, then it's like, okay, we have Monk as the starter. Levine can still contribute to this team because you don't know how Levine's going to come back from the ACL injury. Or, or if you're not sold on Levine, then you could always just trade him and, and try to get a point guard to fill in for that Ricky Rubio. True. So, I mean, that, that's something that will give you more options if you're not fully sold on Zach Levine. Or they could have Monk grow into that point guard role in yeah. time. It'd be interesting. It could happen. Yeah, I don't know about that, but it would be interesting. Yeah. It'd be The only problem that I think I, I see with, with just Malik Monk on the Timberwolves is that he is a natural scorer, and you have <laughs> two other natural scorers there with Carl Anthony mm-hmm. Towns and Anthony Wiggins. So I think I think that you know point guard. I mean he's he's got the body. I mean he's he's not a he's not a two with his size. So yeah. I mean maybe if he's able to de- develop those handles. I mean he's got nice handles, but it's really more, it, can it's he be a point guard turnover ratio yeah. that, that concerns me really. And it's something if if he can develop in, in kind of mature and, yeah. and, and I, understand decision making, then maybe he, he can be become a point guard. I, don't I think, think that's if he crazy. lands there, Ricky, he would be like an instant six man for them. Mm-hmm. And I think him. Pairing with uh, Chris Dunn, someone who we watched struggle last year, uh, he kind of got pushed in the deep end early, and I don't think he quite had grasped the NBA, NBA game. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be actually a really nice pairing to have those two together uh, to help lead that bench. So, I mean, if it falls that way, honestly, it wouldn't be awful. It'd be interesting. Uh, let's move on to the uh, our favorite team here at the Fast Break, uh, the New York Knicks. We oh. love talking about them. We always talk about them. Uh, they got the eighth overall pick, uh, got knocked down from Sacramento, moving up and then flipping with Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It's a mess. Um, anyways, but looking at this, uh, we all have point guard, but we all have different point guards. Looking at this, Ricky, I changed this one last second, too. I, I, changed, I just changed mine, too. Yeah. So <laughs> we're flipping it. Uh, why do you have uh, Frank going to the well, New York Knicks? I'll say this. Originally, I had Dennis Smith because I was like, you know what? What? They need a point guard with Rose walking, and you know Smith is an athletic scorer. He's a good passer, but then kind of looking at the news, uh, Phil Jackson might be a little bit higher on Frank. So I'm like, you know what? Switch it because really it doesn't matter which point guard the Knicks take. They just need a point guard. And the thing I thought when I made this pick was, you know what? Even if you're going to take Frank because you're like, you know what? We need to facilitate mm-hmm. and kind of cater to, I'm going to say cater, to uh, Mellow, I say screw it. Even if you go Dennis, Mellow, bye-bye, you're gone. Even after this year, we'll take your early termination and just move on. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the with, with, with the uh, the New York Knicks. I had Frank going to New York uh, immediately just because, mm-hmm. you know, I thought international player. Phil came out and said he likes Frank more. Yep. Um, but, and, and Dave, you're, you're more of a, a Frank fan than, than either of us. So why does Frank fit with New York? I think he is one of the best fits for New York because he can instantly step in and be that six man. I think they are probably going to resign Derrick Rose. Um, you, don't I think, just, you don't think Rose goes to like a Spurs or somebody? I mean, there's, there's a Chicago. There's yeah. a chance, but they're, <laughs> they're going to end up with a, a different point guard to, to lead them this year. And the whole thing is you are stuck with Carmelo Anthony, so you might as well get the best value out of him, get a good facilitator for him. Uh, Frank has, Frank's a really good passer uh, in – in his vision, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't always translate through his hands, and he has some inaccuracy issues. But honestly, like when I in the clips I have seen, because I, I've tried to make an effort to actually watch more and more of him, there's there's not a ton of tape out there. But what I do see out of him is a is a ton of potential on the defensive end. He is uh, one of the better lockdown defenders. Uh, he does have pretty good wingspan, mm-hmm. and his build for his size is pretty good. But offensively, he, he's an he's a above average passer. I'd still give him, and I think he can find you Carmelo Anthony for better shots. I think he can get you Cor, uh, Porzingis better looks, and even like Hernan Gomez. I think he'll see an impact. So 
I think that him coming in off the second team and being, you know, not a shoot first guy will really help this Knicks team. I think that they're still going to end up with a veteran as their uh, point point guard to start next year. But I think fit wise and mentality wise, he gives them kind of what they're looking for. I think Dennis Smith, my concerns for him are still about the injuries and if he can be really coached through a lot of his uh, minor hiccups in his game. Uh, I do worry because he does have that same aggressive playing style as like a Russell Westbrook does, where I kind of go long term. If you've already had some injuries, how likely are you to uh, re-aggravate or reoccur an injury? Yeah, the reason why I have Dennis Smith going there, and I think you guys make great points on Frank. I had Frank going there, mm-hmm. um, but I, I switched it just because there's a light flipped in my head where I look at Dennis Smith and I, I see star potential. Like, and it's not a star potential where you know he could be the number one on a team. I see him as a guy that's face could be on the side of Madison Square Garden. That's exactly I, why I originally had him there. I look at him and, you know, yes, there's some, some size, you know, questions because he's 6'1". He's not a huge guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Frank, you look at him 6'5". Pairing that with Chris Dobson, I mean, you could have an unreal uh, amount of length on that team from just two players. Um, but I look at this, I'm also thinking of, of Carmelo leaving it long term. And I'm not sold on Frank being a scorer, where it's something where I know Dennis Smith can be a scorer, both shooting, driving to the bucket. He can do that. And he's also a good facilitator offensively. Mm-hmm. Pairing that with Chris stops that's something where having a dynamic duo of those two Can you imagine on the him driving end, into the lane and then oh you're going to try to block me dump off to dump off to the portland yeah, guy well, that's that's the thing i mean you having those two on offense i think that's scary as it is and yeah. then you know once this team grows and develops gets more draft picks mm-hmm. brings us in you can get a defensive specialist you can get guys for the defensive end i think that dennis smith offensively could be that guy for New York. He could be the star because, you know, I look at Kristaps, we don't see a lot of big men be the star of a team, be the focal point of a team. Especially in this age. I, th- I think that, you know, him and him playing off of Dennis Smith could be very interesting because he hasn't had a, you know, fantastic point card to play off of. You're usually playing off of, you know, Carmelo in pick and roll situations. Mm-hmm. Usually playing off a guy like D. Rose who's out of it, Brandon Jennings who's out of it. I mean, you look at a guy who's young, quick, fast, like Dennis Smith, can create a lot of opportunities for Kristaps. I think that those two paired together could be very interesting in New York. I think it'd be a very successful pairing as well because, you know, we all know the train wreck that is New York. I think that Dramaville. bringing yeah. a guy in who, you know, might have uh, you know questions about his personality because it kind of quit on his team mm-hmm. in, the, in the latter half of the, the season could be yeah. something that's, that, that's you know, very concerning, uh, especially with the, the the head of being Phil Jackson, not the, the best motivator, but he's someone who did manage a lot of personalities in Shaq, Kobe, Phil, Phil can just toss up the hands and be like, <laughs> listen to me, and I, I can take you somewhere. Well, he has been able to do it with, with Mello, but we'll oh, see if he's able to do yeah. it with Dennis Smith, do it while he's young. And I know it was a different era, but think about when the Knicks uh, were good even in the 90s. What did they have? A big guy in Patrick Ewing and a good guard in uh, Starks. I think Dennis Smith could be way better than John Starks. Well, way better than John Let's Starks. move on to the ninth pick now in Dallas and, and Dallas Mavericks. And uh, I, I I like that we're not seeing mm-hmm. uh, Dirk 2.0 uh, on, any of these, uh, on any of these picks because a lot of people are uh, uh, mocking. Well, you don't like the Dirk 2.0? A lot of people are, are, are mocking Laurie Markkinen because he's a seven-footer who could shoot three. So that means Dirk he's Dirk. Yep, Ricky, looking at this, obviously you didn't have uh, Dennis Smith going. You have Dennis Smith going to Dallas mm-hmm. here. Um, why Dennis Smith to the Dallas Mavericks? I think New York and Dallas are interchangeable. Frank's going to go to one of them. Dennis Smith is going to go to the other one. And if I'm Dallas, I'm just sitting back and enjoying the ride. And which I, you know what, New York, you pick, I'll be happy to take 
whichever one you want to give me, because it's the same thing that I said for New York. We can either get the passing ability and the defense from Frank, or we can get the athletic scorer who not only, I know it's not the garden or anything, but mm-hmm. we can we can sell that Dennis Smith face. Yeah, no, I think Dennis Smith is absolutely electric. He gets everybody, uh, he, he kind of takes it up another notch, and that's what I like about him. But that's when he's wholeheartedly invested. And that's the concern, Sean. You brought up the giving up on your team last year. Uh, going to Dallas, I think you couldn't ask for a better situation for a coach, though, and in a, a whole organization. I think they're mm-hmm. a really one, really well-run organization in contrast to New York. Unless you're Rajon Ronda. Unless you're Ronda, who you just don't <laughs> care and you don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Fair. But I, I think Dennis Smith is one of the most electric players in this draft. And like you said, he creates opportunity for himself and for others. He finishes pretty well at the rim. And the one thing that I kind of want to see, and, you know, we were on that team. We were with uh, uh, Markkanen as the pick here because, like, look, Dirk's got to retire eventually. Stretch four is always going to have value. What's wrong? I like Yogi Ferrell. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. He's probably a six man. That, I that's do, probably I do like Yogi, Yogi too. Same. Five nine two. I, I mean, I, but I, I like, like him. Yeah, I, think, a, I like Yogi I too. It's a nine. nice story. But yeah, I don't <laughs> think that's, that's I where I find him. And I'm just like, all right. <laughs> I tease on a whole Smith. different level. I, yeah, I tease different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not bashing Yogi Ferrell, but it's something where I I look at point guard being a need here, and I think I think you look at. What they currently have, at least in the first year, because Dirk is coming back, he said mm-hmm. he's coming back, um, having a, a pick-and-pop and pick-and-drive situation where, you know, uh, my pick, Frank, um, while he isn't the most accurate passer, you right. know, you're going to have open looks because either Frank's going to be driving into the hole. I think Dennis Smith would be a better fit here, but Dennis Smith is already off the board. That's right. where Frank's going. Um, Frank could be driving and dish it back out to Dirk, or he can pair it with Nerlens, or he can dish it off to Harrison Barnes. I was going to say, Harrison or, Barnes, who stepped up huge. Or Wesley Matthews is over there, too. I look at yeah. that, and that's a scary five right there. Uh, and I think either point guard is a scary yeah. five. I think that Dennis Smith is probably the better guard fit for uh, Dallas. I think that Frank's a better guard fit for New York. I just think that um, you know uh, Dennis Smith's star ability is going to win over New York. Um, but looking at it, I mean, you know, you, they, they definitely need a guard because Yogi, I mean, we, we, we can talk yeah. about him all day. It's Great like TJ McConnell for the 76ers. Well, we like the guy, realistically, me and Ish Smith. I like him. He's a sixth man. Yeah. He brings energy. Great. It's, Dennis Smith can bring something special in that explosiveness. And I think that that, that is a ton of value for this team. And it's something, too, where I, I would say that, you know, Dennis Smith might be uh, going behind Frank because of the ACL injuries that you mentioned. Yep. Because um, he, he tore his ACL in high school. Um, he didn't it didn't look like he hampered him at all at NC State. Not too um, bad. No. But then, you you know, you worry about that long term with his explosiveness, mm-hmm. with his ability to drive. That's something I worry about there. Um, but o- overall, I think that it's pretty fair that we're going to say that the Good point guards, the star point guards are going to be off the board. We are out of point guards after uh, Dallas, yeah. All right, let's now move on to Sacramento, the second appearance of Sacramento here. The last top 10 pick we have here. We've got some diversity. We have uh, three different players going here. I think it's the the first time this has ever happened. I think so, too, at least in this mock draft. Uh, So, Ricky, this is the biggest one here, the biggest shock to me. Uh, I'm wondering a lot about this pick. Why is is this your pick of 10? Let's put it this way. And before I say who the pick is, is well, most of them are looking at the spreadsheet. We all we all know one thing for sure about the Kings that their owner watches the NCAA tournament. That's true. And both of the picks that I have for the Kings and De'Aaron Fox and now Justin Jackson Ooh. both went in the tournament and played far in the tournament. Justin Jackson won it all. And for me, it was either one of two guys here it was OG or it was Jackson. 
And I look at Tyreek Evans, his contract's up this offseason. Mm-hmm. The Kings could let him walk. Rudy Gay already said he's declining his player I mean, option. Rudy Gay's declining the player option. And Jackson can bring not just shooting, defense, passing. He's got a high IQ. Yeah, he needs some improvements, more so, I would say, with his shot progression. But he's a guy that has all the tools that I can work with. And the only reason why I'm taking him over OG is the injury. Mm-hmm. I look he at is that, more of a proven commodity. I look at that injury and I go, nah, I'll take this guy who I think I can mold, I, especially with Coach Yeager. We still have no idea how severe that OG yep. uh, and it'll be injury yeah. is. Until I hear otherwise, I will shy away from it. It's not a bad reason to stray away mm-hmm. from, from OG. I, I, just, I, I just question Justin Jackson. I've been questioning Justin Jackson. High he's, riser he's, from, he, from overrated to... Well, uh, he's, well, he's, on, he's my most overrated another, player. So that's the only reason why I'm saying another, that. Another thing thing that kind of played into this was mm-hmm. we got a lot of comments last time of like why have the kings going with a another big we don't need another big and i looked at the roster and said you can pass on a big and still be okay well can i explain why they're taking yeah, this big ahead. that i have go i haven't ahead. taken lori market because both of you have bigs i have yeah i haven't <laughs> taken lori market can uh, from from Arizona, and the reason I have them taking Laurie um, is because of his ability to shoot from three, and it's something where you look at the three guards they currently have. They have Scalabissier, who, while he does have a nice shot, he does have a shot that could develop into a three-point shot, yep. only took eight threes last year, wasn't a guy that, you know, is, is going to take out, is going to be super comfortable from the out line. there. Yeah, he's not living beyond the line like Laurie Markin can, can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, shooting 40, above 40% uh, in college, and that's after a bad... Li- second half of the season. Um, so looking at, at scale, he's a guy that can shoot from mid-range. He's a guy that can stay in that mid-range area. You look at Willie Cauley-Stein, a defensive specialist who can be very explosive on the offensive end, attacking the basket uh, and, and playing around the basket. And then you look at your, Georgios Papagiannis. Papa, Papa John's. Papa John's. Papa John's. the hat on. Papa John's. Uh, not a sponsor. <laughs> um, but he's more of a traditional... Um, center, he, he can stretch it out a little bit, but I don't want Papagiannis, you know, stretching out so far. Uh, so he's more of a traditional center. You can have four bigs that fit well together. You can have a situation where you have Laurie stretch it out and have Papagiannis uh, dominate inside. You can have a, a thing where, you know, um, Scal can, you know, dominate the mid-range and dump it into Willie Collis-Down or Giorgio Papagiannis. Um, you also talk about Lori and pairing that with uh, with Scale, two guys that can kind of play off of what we talked about in, in Dallas, where one can drive to the, uh, the the bucket and one can step out and pick and pop. So I look at that, it gives you a lot of different diversity, especially with a player in De'Aaron Fox that you just drafted, mm-hmm. a guy that can create, that's going to give open shot looks to Lori Markkinen, that's going to give open shot looks to Buddy Heald. And then, hey, you know, if you have that one more pass where Buddy just dishes it to Lori uh, in the corner or Buddy, you know, dishes it out to the top of the key to Lori, he can have a wide open shot. It's something where you're going to put him in the best situation to thrive. I don't know how much how, how sold you are on Giorgio's Papianis. I don't know how sold you are on <laughs> Willie Cauley Stein staying around. I don't know how sold you are on Scalabissier staying around. Having a player with uh, with uh, and Laurie and pairing that with Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox, I think those three can be something special. And I think those three could work very well together. But you have a different big. Why, <laughs> true. Why, true. why is it Zach Collins? It's Zach Collins because I maybe don't have as much faith in uh, Papa John's, and maybe I think that uh, bringing Zach Collins in to kind of share time between the four and the five for the Kings, he what he brings is a really solid offensive player who can still get boards, and honestly, I think his he's he's the most solid center in this uh, draft for me. Like he he's my number one center, and I I have a lot of faith in him developing his game because. 
what he gives you in unfortunately short bursts because mm. he does have the knock of that uh, mental maturity. He is a little easily frustrated and does get in foul trouble. But on the other hand, when he's in the game, he's a high-impact player. He can absolutely... Uh, destroy teams defensively like he's got a great arm he has a great arm for i want to say eye for where his arm should be like (laughs) Mm -hmm. he just finds himself around the ball and naturally able to get a hand on it so i think defensively he kind of helps cover up for scale so if you want to timeshare him and um willie collie stein i think he fits well as a backup there but at the same time i wouldn't feel bad if putting him at the four because he does have enough quickness to guard fours and he can take open shots when he needs to. Well, I think the hilarious thing, just looking at his shot chart, because the ringer, that's my favorite thing about their, yeah. uh, their their draft profile is that the shot charts, you look at what he did shooting-wise, he took 175 uh, field goals um, inside, like around the hoop, and yep. then you look at mid-range, five from inside the paint and beyond, so that's, uh, so I'm trying to do math in my head, which is a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> 16, 16 inside the, inside the arc but yep. not inside the circle yeah and yep. then so he took 16 shots um from mid-range and then he took 16 shots alone um for the top of the key from three so it's something yeah. where he is literally the if you have you ever seen the john boys uh pretty good or whatever it's like what if we ever erased from the three-point line it's pretty much what happens mm-hmm. is there's the same amount of uh like most like 95 percent three yeah, feet 95 percent of the shots happen within three feet or beyond the three-point line which yeah. is just crazy so zach collins is pretty much the embodiment Plus of an it, NBA it's player. another big like i just sacramento gonna take bigs it's what I, they do i think i think the, the the fit that i would like there um is og ananobi but i again it's the injury, it's the injury yeah. that, that worries me because with um, with uh, Rudy Gay, uh, Tyreek Evans leaving or possibly leaving for both of them, mm-hmm. um, I think plugging in a guy at that small forward position like OG could be really nice because he brings defense and he brings shooting. But then again, I don't, I'm not sold on that injury. And and bringing Laurie can stretch out the floor. The part. other thing that scares me about OG, and it's from that Ringer draft guide, for their like player comp or like this is like mm-hmm. what he could be in the best case scenario. I saw Kawhi Leonard, and I was like, ugh, that makes me a little nervous. That's like comparing people to, like, Steph Curry, LeBron James, especially when you're talking about somebody who their big part of their game is defense. I think think, think you (laughs) phrased it wrong because it's like, oh, no, he's going to be Kawhi Leonard. That's awful. No. no. That's a high high price. Look, the thing is— If he doesn't hit that, he's a At a base level. I don't don't know. I don't think anyone's thinking he's going to be— No one thinks he's the next Kawhi Leonard. They're saying when they're coming out of college— The best-case scenario When he's coming out of college, what what did Kawhi have? Defense mm-hmm. and the ability to take it to the hoop, and and that's pretty well, much the same game that OG's playing with. Let's let's clear it up because we don't want Kevin O'Connell coming after us. Yeah. The, the best case scenario was Shane Battier, uh, Trevor Reese, and Alfred Camino. They said he could draw comparisons okay. to Kawhi. Yeah. Kawhi. That scares yeah. me. That, I mean, Shane Battier doesn't <laughs> yeah, scare me that say, much. That's, that's no. <laughs> but no, I think I think that uh, they have faith that they're going to get uh, Bogdan over this year. And that he can kind of help fill in that uh, three guard, or the th- I said three guard. That's a small four. <laughs> make a new position. We make in all of the guards. Yes, just, just run all guards. Uh, anyways, that's the uh, that's the ten right there. Let's go out of the uh, eleven. We got uh, to, set, to Charlotte now. I was going to say Sacramento. Charlotte. Charlotte at eleven. Uh, the pick that I have them going with is Jared Allen. I see uh, someone else picking Jared Allen as well. Uh, I was total surprise. Uh, the reason I have them going Jared Allen uh, and not Zach Collins. I think Zach Collins is a better player, but I look at Jared Allen. Um, his aggressiveness on the board. His aggressiveness down low, pairing that with Kemba Walker. I mean, they have players like Marvin Williams who could stretch the floor. They have players like uh, Frank who can who could stretch the floor a little bit as well. I look at you know those players. I look at the softness they lost. Uh, you know the so- how soft they became with losing. Um, Al Jefferson, I think they need some toughness down there, mm-hmm. and having Kemba Walker, um, having Nicholas Batum, having Jared Allen, I think 
those two, at least, Kemba Walker and Jared Allen, could be a nice pair. And I think they need to add some toughness. I think Jared Allen would bring that toughness where Zach Collins might be seen as a little soft or might be a player that might not be playing down low um, because he can go to the four or the five. He could switch it out if he develops that shot. Yeah. So I have Jared Allen going there because of his toughness, because of his uh, demeanor. I think he has a lot of potential as well. I think his, he's very athletic. But you have a familiar face in Zach Collins. Yeah, I've got Zach Collins. To me, Collins is, no disrespect to Allen, but Collins is my top-rated center in this draft. And I look at the Hornets, and I know in the last mock draft, uh, I know me and Dave made this mm-hmm. pick, so we got a lot of hate for. Yeah, that's exactly what the Hornets need, another white big down low. I and Zach on the for team. me, I still like that pick because I'm not sold on Cody Zeller. I know you gave him a contract extension. I want to say it's four years. I'm not sold on him long term. I think Zach Collins can develop into something throughout that contract, maybe then overtake, because like Dave said, it takes that three, four years for the rookie to develop. He brings defense, can block shots, and on offense, you said it, he can score in the paint or what he can do. We're seeing the Warriors do it now, a little pick-and-roll dive action where it's like, oh, oh, I set a screen, oh, I'm driving, and both Players are going right for Kemba. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think that I think that Zach Collins could be a nice fit for for Charlotte for sure. And especially you talked about his defensive side, uh, defensive side. And if he could develop that three, mm-hmm. that's something that's going to be interesting. But you already have Zach Collins off the board, so right. why are so, you having them make this pick? I went back to Allen. I mean, it's just bread and butter. The thing with that is, I, I think that Cody Zeller is going to continue being their star. They have faith in him, and I think he has continued to improve his game every year. This is more so. I think that is. That them getting a backup center is the most mm-hmm. important thing because when Cody Zeller went out last year, they completely eroded their their game plan. They weren't able to adapt without him. So if you are so susceptible to like completely falling off the wagon as soon as one player goes down who's not your superstar in Kemba, then yeah, you need to address that ASAP. And I think what Allen gives them, you mentioned it, it it's his ability to play around the rim so well. The, the biggest thing that uh, even... I think we kind of all joked about before was like he, he for his body size he should be more physical than what he is but I think that he can learn to be that physical. I think we were mentioning that more about Justin Patton. Justin Patton's a guy oh, that's grabbing yeah, like yeah. six boards mm-hmm. as a seven footer. Jared yeah. Allen, he's a guy that's going to put up double doubles. He's going to be a guy that blocks shots. I just feel like shots. offensively he's not as offensively he's not for physical sure. as he should be. Mm-hmm. For sure, he should he's assert not. a little more dominance down low. But I think he works right in as that backup center, and hopefully that way, even if you know Zeller gets injured. You have a you have a solid backup, and you have someone who is reliable to get the boards for you every time down the court. Yeah, offensively is where he struggles. He's not a guy that's going to yeah. kill you from the outside shooting. He's not going to be a guy that's going to have a nice jump or anything. He's going to be a guy that you know works more inside. Um, he, he's decent driving to the bucket, but it's more about can he develop a shot, and that's going to be interesting uh, for that. But let's move on to number twelve. We got Detroit. This is the hardest pick for me to make. Uh, it's hardest something where, pick since Orlando. Oh, uh, this is the hard. Me. This was the hardest pick in general. I was freaking <laughs> out doing this um, last night, and. and I, I settled on best player available, mm-hmm. and and to me that's Zach Collins. It's something where Detroit has needs, and their biggest need is a point guard. But all of them are off the board, so it's something if you know if one team does want to trade down or something. If Sacramento at ten is like we got our guy, we think we can get someone who's similar to uh, the player that we want at ten, um, and they can move up. And if if Frank or Dennis Smith are still mm-hmm. on the board, I mean they they'll need a prayer to get a point guard. But looking at Detroit, their biggest need is is point guard and three point shooting. But there's not a deadly three point shooter out there um, unless you want to reach for a guy like Luke Kennard or if you want to reach for a guy uh, um, later on. I've seen on. some mocks have Kennard up there. It's I'm, a reach. I'm not sure if I would pull that trigger, especially with. 
two of the guys that are still on the board for me. It's it's a reach, at least for me, and that's why I have <laughs> yeah. Zach Collins, a, a guy that we mentioned could develop a three-point shot, could be a guy that you know takes uh, space away from, I mean, adds space mm-hmm. to Andre Drummond's game down low, um, could you know at least work with Andre Drummond and, and possibly open up more space uh, for Reggie Jackson to drive in. Um, hopefully he can find his ability to pass again because he lost it last season. I mean, it's <laughs> something where I think Zach Collins is just best player available, and that's why you, you can't go wrong with that pick. Yeah, for me it was either one of two players. It was OG or it was Mark Cannon. And the reason why I go with Lori is yet again, the ACL injury. And the thing I look with the Pistons is you go ahead and you take Henry Ellison and I go, is he what we thought he was? I mean, spent a lot of time in the D league and that to me, I'm looking at Ellison and I'm going, unless I see huge strides from you, I, maybe a wasted pick, kind of like Hazonia with the Magic. but Might be a while. He's, but he's, just, he's, he hasn't had enough time to call but him But just like yeah, Dave yeah. said with the Magic, that doesn't mean just because you whiffed on the Hazonia pick, you can't go back to the well. I'm looking the same thing here. Perimeter shooter at the four, and he, he needs to work on his defense, but this is yet again where the coach comes into it, kind of like with my Minnesota pick. I think Stan Van's up for the challenge. If there's any coach... That can work with him on his defense, besides like a Thibodeau or who's like a defensive mastermind. I think Stan Van can sit there and work with Lori Marka Cannon to work on that defense so he becomes at least a decent defender out there so you're not like, oh dear God, why is he out there? And, and Dave, you still have Lori on your board yet. You're not, you're not putting I'm, I'm gonna continue to, to wave Detroit. On, I'm going to continue to wave at Lori <laughs> so, as I go past him. So we'll wait until while you're skipping over <laughs> yeah. Lori until, until that I, pick I'm, arises. Uh, I'm, I'm going with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I think he's one of the highest risers out of uh, the last couple weeks probably. Especially the combine. Uh, great performance at the combine and honestly I, I like what he's done to develop his game um the the problem really here is like you mentioned earlier what the pistons really want is a true point guard there's none left he's a good combo guard uh he he doesn't have amazing size one way or the other uh he's like six three uh but what he does give you is, is an excellent score with good enough vision good enough passing ability uh but defensively a, a lockdown player so I really like he kind of brings the whole package for me. He's not, you know, phenomenal at one thing, but he's a very well-rounded player who gives you that little bit extra on top for defense. Yeah, and I ex- I put this out on r slash nba r slash nba underscore draft, and I put my mm-hmm. mock draft out there and just kind of got some feedback from from people. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them said, "I hope Detroit doesn't take Collins. I'd rather gamble on Donovan Mitchell." And, oh. and someone cleared that up as saying, "You know, Mitchell does. Uh, Mitchell brings defense. He brings three point shooting. Um, he's a great spot up shooter and can run the pick and roll with Drummond." And, I, and he's they make thing. him go left though. He's screwed. And, yeah, <laughs> and, and another thing someone said is, "I see him as a potential go to scorer, which the Pistons sorely yes. lack." So. Um, I think it's I think it's interesting. The reason why I'm not to- totally sold on him is something that you know you look at his age. Um, is it because he, that first year he didn't well, do so great? It's not even that. It's something where I don't see him as a dominant scorer. I don't see him as a guy who's a go-to scorer. I don't I don't see that potential in him. I see him as a guy who's very athletic. I see him as a guy who can get by. But I see it's it's a pick like Stanley Johnson was. I see it's like a pick. See, I, th- I think Stanley Johnson was less developed than Donovan Mitchell is. That's true. And I, I think they're I mean, actually probably the same age too. It, it's it's <laughs> yeah, but it's something where I look at Donovan Mitchell. I don't see the. I mean, I, I look at him. He's not a deadly three-point shooter. 
Um, I mean, he didn't go to the line that much. He's a guy that doesn't have the biggest of bodies. I don't like him as a as a two. I don't like him as a one because I don't like his passing abilities. I don't know where his fit is, and it's tough to mock a guy um, and say like this is your guy. And that's fair. And say that's, that's fair. That's your I, I just I view him as you know a multi tool. He's an all purpose combo guard for me, and I think value wise for them. I, as long as you still have faith in Andre Drummond, mm-hmm. I'm not going to touch center. I, I think Morris is fine at the four. And as you keep rolling down, I'm just like, Tobias Harris two? is fine. Tobias Harris yeah. is fine. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I, honestly, like across the board, I don't even I don't even have any concerns. So let, I, let's just go combo guard. I have Collins there. Hopefully you can put him at the four when Morris contract runs up, his contract runs up. Or you can move <laughs> him and try to get a point guard because that's what you need. Uh, yeah. But let's now move on to Denver. Uh, 13th pick. We're running in on the, the, the last half of these picks. Uh, we're an hour in. If you have any thoughts, leave them in the comments below. We don't have to tell you that because you're already doing it. Yeah, um, I'm we sure. Know that. Like pick by pick, we're getting comment after comment. This room's hot as hell. So anyways, <laughs> let's go to Denver. Ricky, I know you're sweating. I'm sweating. Uh, you got a familiar face. We all have familiar faces on here. Uh, explain the pick. Well, it's just to me. The last mock draft, I had the small forward position and Justin Jackson guess what he's off the board this time going with OG I think this is the spot where the Nuggets go you know what we can take a chance on the ACL injury that's his biggest knock elite defender can give us rebounding we need that small forward because honestly I don't believe in Wilson Chandler well his contract's running up up even if they bring him back I don't believe him 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 and Gallinari Gallinari. I think that they can go ahead, take Ananobi, and say, hey, even if it he takes a little bit longer with the ACL, we know what we're getting, and we're happy with it. Yep, I, I completely agree with you. You look at his defensive ability, you look at his scoring ability, the potential is there. I like him more than Donovan Mitchell. That's that, that's the thing, is I look at yeah. them as similar players, just the one thing is Donovan Mitchell doesn't have the injury. And that's, that's the reason why I have uh, OG ranked higher and going before Donovan Mitchell is because I see him as similar players. Uh, just oh, I feel OG has a spot, and that's the reason why wow. he fits there in Denver because, like Ricky mentioned, didn't Danilo, Chandler, both contracts running up. So Yeah, no, no, that's completely fair. And for me, OG is the obvious pick because honest, on top of the contracts being up, it's the play style of the team and what their biggest need has been, which is defense. They're, they're one of the best offensive teams in the league after going to Jokic as their primary ball handler in the second half of the year. So I honestly love the idea of bringing OG, someone who is a defensive, defensive specialist who can shut down people, assuming he's all healthy, coming back from this injury. And he can also, like Ricky said, he can grab boards. He can take the ball to the hoop, though. And he's more physical, which is what I love out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a little bit of how he was a leader in Indiana. The, the little bit of intangibles that kind of add on top of that gives him something extra, which, again, I'm sort of... I'm going to be interested if anything comes out about his health in the next uh, until the draft. If it's good, he's going to go up like right away. It's just right now it's just such a cloud of no one knows exactly where he's at, how the recovery process is going. So it's hard to put him, you know, going higher than we expect. This is a like, look at base value. You're taking a shot at someone who could be an elite defender and, and, a, and a solid score for you. And it's one thing where, uh, you know, the ringer has him going 10 to Sacramento. It's a pick that we've mentioned too, where um, you had Justin Jackson going because you weren't sure about OG. Mm-hmm. It's something where you look at his potential, you look at what happens. If he's healthy, he's, he's a fantastic yeah. player. He's a top and 10. Put, a, put him right up there. to that 10 spot. Yeah, for sure. Now let's move on to Miami. The last pick of the lottery. We're Ooh. wrapping it up. Um, I, I just made a, a last minute change here. So you I did on the fly. I want to talk about that first off. 
Um, you look at Miami, and you have Goran Dragic. You have Dion Waiters, who was fan- phenomenal. You, and then you had Waiters uh, County. Hassan Whiteside there. You had those three, and I think those three are going to stay, um, even though Dragic's always in trade rumors. Uh, <laughs> but you look at that four spot, and you look at that three spot. You know, Winslow's iffy. Um, he's been iffy since they drafted him, and also, you know, he, he had that injury as well. So that's something that you're questioning. That's why I have them going with TJ Leaf because TJ Leaf is a guy that plays hard. He's going to work well against Hassan Whiteside because he does bring spacing to that floor. He's a guy that can shoot from the outside. Mm-hmm. He is athletic. And what he does lack defensively and what he does lack in toughness, pairing that with a guy like Hassan Whiteside, who is tough, who isn't afraid to go up and block shots, who isn't uh, a liability on defense, I think that's why TJ Leaf works well. Because I look at John Collins, that's who I originally had mocked there. I look at John Collins, he might not be uh, he might be t- too slow for this Miami team. I think Miami wants to at least ramp it up a little bit because they are getting younger um, with this new play style. I think Spolster kind of realized that, and you see, you did see them develop later on in the second half because they had the, the second best record um, after the All-Star break, I think, uh, with Miami. Um, I see well, that. Like 31 wins or something like something that? Something ridiculous. I mean, I, I look at that, I think T.J. Leaf could really thrive in a, in a spot where he doesn't need to be a superstar. Um, like, he, did, he didn't have to be a superstar in, in, at UCLA. He was playing with Lonzo Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I think using his athleticism, using his speed, using his quickness, um, offensively is a nice fit there. I think he's one of the most underrated players um, in the draft. I think T.J. Leaf is a, is a nice pick there for Miami. Mine's just plain and simple. Take the best power forward or slash center, best big, and that's Jared Allen. And, I mean, to me, it's I look at it and I go, you're going to have Whiteside download the five. I'll draft Allen and put him in at that four and kind of make it work down there. Are you worried a little bit about shooting just because Jared Allen and Hassan Whiteside can't shoot? Nah, we got waiters. It's going to be a nice defensive team, though. Yeah, we got yeah, waiters. Say. It's going to be a nice defensive team with Justice Winslow, mm-hmm. Jared Allen, and uh, Hassan Whiteside there. Yeah, that'd be an interesting uh, lockdown. But honestly, the, the concern there is you mentioned they're a younger team. Uh, they're not super young, though, is the problem. Like, Deion Waiters is still young, but between Dragic and Whiteside, who are both, I think, 27 mm-hmm. right now, I mean... Uh, I'm saying young as in you don't have old man D-Wade, Iso Joe, and Luol Deng there anymore. <laughs> hey yeah. So, and Chris hey Bosh. Rondo Chris, yeah. Chris really Bosch picked too. it up. Fair enough. I'm saying those four guys. I mean, <laughs> yep. you had old man County. It looked like an actual yeah. Miami team because hey. all the old, old yep. people moved Retirement to Florida. County. Yeah, that's yeah, that's sure, what I'm at. Sure. Um, but, fair enough. But, moved to Florida. I love it. <laughs> but Dave, you're the last pick. We're saving the best for last. Thank you. The Thank faller. you. Lori yeah. Markin had going to, to, to Miami. Explain honest, why he's falling, I, first I, off. All right. So my thoughts on why he's falling is because of my upside, downside, or my, my, my I guess, floor and ceiling for him. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to make him into the next Dirk. He's not the next Dirk. And the, the big thing for me is, like, best case scenario, he's another Ryan Anderson. I'll be honest. Like, yeah, that has value in today's NBA. Do I want to go spend a lottery pick on that in the top 10? Not really. I want someone who's going to be the face of my franchise, who's going to be a game changer for us. He gives you that stretch power for that's so needed, and it's super valuable. But at the same time, I just can't commit to using a top 10 pick on him mm-hmm. because I think there are guys who, if I take a bet on someone like Zach Collins or Dennis Smith or Jonathan Isaac, those guys, I can see their potential being the leader of my franchise. I don't see uh, Laurie being that. I, I see him, worst case scenario, like an Ursan Elisova, volume uh, three-point shooter who is a complete defensive liability. He can't keep up with anyone. He struggles down low in the paint. Um, his body is not, well, he is the height. He doesn't have the muscle mass yet for his size. So he is, I want to say, do you remember like that horrible picture of like Marcus Saul during uh 
like his his tryouts for the NBA Combine. Yeah, he, well, he, he was lo- super fat back exactly. then. Exactly, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like Laurie's not that fat, but it's it's just out of shape. Uh, not not what I would expect out of him. So, honestly, my big thing is I just don't see the best possible upside potential for him. So I'm going with Miami. There's there there's still an awesome value there to get someone who can stretch the floor, like you said, because Whiteside is such a dominant guy down low, and you have guys who can shoot from the outside already. So he gives you a great score from the outside as long as you let him play his game because he clearly struggled when when he was being forced by uh, Arizona to play inside and try to become a post-presence. Yeah, I, I think looking at this, you look at Laurie, um, would you say that he's going – early in, in your mock draft because of his potential or are you still sold on his offensive ability it's it's entire offensive ability i i don't i have him with a very low ceiling compared to a lot of other people very interesting because i mean laurie is someone who you see i was so high seven. on him to start the year yeah. too i mean he had a really bad second half it was it's yeah. something where he, he I, also didn't look good. i know it's just one game but that last game they had against i think it was bad Gonzaga, last impression it, me and you were watching it in between watching Impractical Jokers, but it was every time <laughs> out, horrible shows. every time out we would go and watch it. But you just looked at it and it's like, I don't know if it was him not working with Lonzo Chur in that game, but he just looked like a lost puppy out there. I don't know. I don't know why you guys are watching Impractical Jokers. I think that's the biggest thing. I'm ashamed to be on a podcast <laughs> with you guys now. That's a great place to end it. Um, anyways, tell us who you think about 1 through 14. As the camera shuts off, look at that. Boom. Uh, camera shuts off, but we're going to roll through it. It's just the outro. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I uh, just want to mention uh, uh, Cavs are up 61-39 at halftime. Uh, people are saying, oh, you said Cavs in five. Just just like I said in a tweet yesterday, man, I can't wait for uh, hashtag Dub Nation versus hashtag defend the land Cavs are the best team in the in in, in the nba so who cares um tell us your picks uh for this this mock draft for this lottery down in the comments below uh if you're listening on youtube don't forget to like and hit the subscribe button if you're listening on blog talk radio thank you so much thank you for the download we appreciate it but for dave oster ricky widmer i'm sean anderson and we'll see you next time thank you for listening to this mvp podcast follow us on twitter at most valuable pod for more great podcasts